Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. Churches that break through are churches that have koinonia. It's a Greek word that means that deep uh, connection, kindred spirits. And so that's what really, not just church services, but when you connect outside of church services and build those relationships, how vital that it is uh, for you and for your family, especially for your spiritual development. A lot of people that don't attend church, they, they don't come, and, and the, for whatever reason it may be, you miss the opportunity to, to, to connect with people that's not like you. God didn't create us all to look just alike and do the same things. He created a, div- a diverse people for the purpose of is this. There's, there's flavors that are added to our personal lives, and I'm so thankful for this house. Um, when Crystal and I walked into the storefront uh, back in 2009, and uh, the way that many of you, uh, there's quite a few, uh, there's quite a few of the core that's that started in that storefront that's in this room right now, and um, some have gone on to be with the Lord, and and and. But I'm thankful for the relationships, and that's how important and vital it is to connect to the house. It's not just attend, but be a part of it, become a part of the house. Because you just, man, I'm telling you, I, freedom groups are rocking and rolling. I'm hearing nothing but great stuff from them. One of the guys, he calls me, uh, uh, calls me on a lot of times on Saturdays and he's bubbling. I can't get a word in. So I was just hearing what God's doing, where I've seen God take this young man to where he is now. There's freedom taking place, and you've got, you guys have got your conference coming up here in a couple of weeks, and we're covering you in advance. We know it's going to be powerful. And so uh, you ready to go to the Word this morning? I'm excited to be able to bring it to you. It's an honor to be able to preach. Most of you know that most Sundays, Pastor Radio is, he, he, we live stream and hear from our, our apostle over the ministry, our leader over the ministry. He's my pastor, which I'm very grateful for. We get the opportunity to, to pour into you on Sundays as well as I do on Wednesday nights as well, but I'm thankful for the opportunity this morning. Um, I am going to be preaching on a subject that I'm not going to give you just yet. And You notice you didn't have message notes. There's a lot of reasons why, but one specific is I didn't want you to have it just yet, but I, I do want to uh, I do want to go into the Word, so we're going to do something that we, we typically don't do, but we're going to stand and read the Word. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, cell phones will kind of work, so uh, it'll be on the side screens as well, but if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, verses 1. Um, uh, I, I am, uh, let me just jump in, I better hurry. All right, so Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says this, Now he being Jesus said to his disciples, It is inevitable, which means it's unstoppable, that stumbling blocks or offenses will come. But woe, that doesn't mean woe back up. That means there's a warning to you. Here's your warning according to Scripture. But woe to the one whom that it does. Now he shifts and he starts talking to the perpetrator and he said, to the one that does this, it's better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and be thrown into the sea. Now, that sounds like a loving Jesus, doesn't it? That's, that's where the mafia took over in Boston, right? 
They just they want to ice them. They want to tie. Put, put concrete shoes on them and make them sink down to the bottom of the river, right? Okay, anyway, let me just keep moving. That's just a little bit morbid and crazy. But anyway, it's better for a millstone to be hung around his neck and thrown into the sea that he may cause one of these little ones. Now, that's not a child. It's talking to someone of little significance. If you feel like you're insignificant in this room today, not because of insecurities, but whatever it may be, this is referring to us. Says that, in case of one of those to make one of these little ones to seal, this is sin. This is what it, that would happen. And then he says in verse 3, be on your guard. Be vigilant. Be looking. If your brother or sister sins, rebuke. Correct. Oh, we don't like that, do we? We don't like correction. We're all good until someone has to correct us. But do it in love, right? And he says, and if he repents or if he says, hey, I'm sorry, what's the next two words? Forgive him forgive him and if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying I repent I'm sorry you forgive him you shall that's not if you feel like it he says you shall forgive him then the apostles say this incredible line see we think that the apostles are walking around with these little halos over their head like the paintings picture them out you know God forgive us of our sin no it's like no they're like oh my God. I, I think Peter slipped some cuss words when he said this I bet he was like oh snap but he didn't say snap he's like oh man Lord you got to increase my faith you know how what kind of hothead that I am you know how angry I get increase my faith but the Lord said if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed you could say to this mulberry tree some translations say a sycamine tree you could say to this um, be uprooted say uprooted uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you Uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning for just a little bit is remove the root remove the root. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the word that I'm about to release. I know it's timely. I know it's your heart. Help me to say in the way that I need to anoint me and open the hearts of the people to receive in the name of Jesus and remove the roots today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So many of us here today have come in and I'm, listen, I'm not preaching something to you that I I don't walk through myself from time to time and the issues and the struggles that I personally have. So it's not that I've mastered any of this, but I am bringing you something that I've had to learn how to walk through to keep my heart tender because that's hard. Let me ask a question in this room, but don't raise your hand. Maybe you can. Let me, you can raise your hand on the first one. How many of you have ever been offended? That should be every hand in the house. Everybody's offended. If you're, if you're alive and you're breathing, you've been offended. But don't raise your hand here, all right? So if somebody's snoozing beside you, better, you better nudge. No, just let them, let them do that on the moment. Are you offended right now? That's the question. Are you offended right now? And so that's what I want to go after a little bit. I want to go for the jugular. I want to talk about this, and I know it may be something a little bit of a heavy subject. I kind of preached this one Sunday, but not in this vein, in a different vein, but I really feel specifically to talk about it today because if I can just help one person, that's all I'm looking, just one person in the room, if I can help you to discover the root of what's going on, then I've accomplished what I've called, what I've been called to do on this Sunday morning. So if I'm going after the one, if you're not struggling with anything, then you're all good. So just sit back and enjoy Get some notes and help somebody else, all right? Take what you receive and give it to somebody else. It's not 
that we don't have offenses or we incur hurts. But we develop some things into our life that, that, that help us to walk through this. And, and it's important to understand, like, what do we mask pain with? What do we cover it up with? What are we doing with those struggles and those, those things? Because many people, instead of going to the root of the issue, they begin to anesthetize the pain. They try to find things like alcohol. They try to find things like maybe it's the next bed, the next relationship. I, 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 listen, if you got kids in here, I'm going to go some places this morning. So maybe everybody's got their kids back in kids' church. So good, th- good thing. But, but we try our best to anesthetize the pain. We try to hide it. We may bury it under the mound of Netflix and TV and just dull our senses so that we can just find our way moving through life. But, but that's not the life that Jesus called you to. He specifically said, woe to the one whom offenses come. Be warned today because it's not just that it starts something that's like I, I just brush over and I get over it. No, it's something that takes root and begins to str- that we struggle with for the rest of our lives. And maybe some of us, we begin to increase our fine. Well, if I just get more money, maybe if I did, that'll just make everything feel a lot better. And it's like, Pastor AJ, listen, we got more pressing needs than to actually you talk about the, the root issues of struggles in our personal life. Give me a good message about Jesus saving the lost on a Sunday morning. But what about the believers in our Sunday morning services that show up every week, struggle with the same stuff? You hear a good word, get some good worship, go out of this room, or maybe you have a good time in prayer, your body gets touched but you go right back into the same mindset. The mind doesn't change, so therefore the rest of your life doesn't change. That's why Jesus went after the mind. That's why Paul talked about the mind in the book of Romans. It has to be transformed through the renewing of word. Word has to come through your flow, through your mind, hit your spirit. So, but, but we... We find we, we don't want to deal with the, the with the fruit of what manifests on the tree of our life. We would rather or the root. We would rather deal with the fruit, um, and, and we normalize the hurt. We normalize the pain. We get used to it. And we don't even know it. We begin to sweep things under the rug and don't deal with the problems. And and then it and then we just think, well, it's all right. I can go in and look like I'm doing fine, but you've got no life in your eyes. There's no vitality. There's no joy. There's no strength. There's no peace about you because you're struggling with something that's so much deeper. And then there's many that that struggle with alcohol abuse, some with substance abuse. Uh, And here's another one, people abuse. People abuse. Hurt people, you can finish this. Hurt people, hurt people. People that are hurting are going to be hurting somebody else. And have you ever seen a person, let me ask you this question. Have you ever seen a person that's really rude and it's like you try to make yourself friendly, but when you turn your back on them, like, to, so I just can't deal with I've tried everything I know. And you walk away, and then all of a sudden they're offended and they're hurt. It's like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? You tried, and they're like, well, I just can't believe Pastor AJ. He just, he, I, I've tried. I, I, I've, in the past 20 years of my life, no one here. There was a situation within my life. I messed up. I messed up on a specific thing. I missed a specific, I ain't going to say. And, and so I went to the person. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I missed it. And this person, I mean, it was, it was brutal. It was rough the way that they, and, and I did. I set them down right in front of me, and, and I did from my heart. I know with everything inside, I'm sorry. I apologize if I had, I, I know I messed up. I was specific about what I did. It wasn't that I just made a general, hey, if I've done anything, I went right for what I knew I did because I, I flubbed it up. I messed it up, and, and I thought everything was good. A few, a few months later, all of a sudden, that thing was still there, and then the Holy Spirit gave me perspective to say, AJ, it's not you. 
there's something much deeper than what you've experienced in the way they treated you. But you've got to get perspective on that. And the only way that you can experience that is walking in relationships with the Lord, but also with people. Because it's not relationship with God only. You've got to make, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's people that you have to connect yourself with as well. So some of us, we may be in that place like, what have I done? I don't know what I've done. But it's not you. It's not, the, it, it's not you. They're mad at everybody. There's a root issue that, that, that they're unwilling to deal with at this moment. And if that's you, listen, I've been you. I've been there. And I was the one that did a lot of hurting and a lot of pain previously. But when God works you over, he'll bring you into a place of where you're, you, you, I just leave it there. I'll move forward. Let me move forward. I'm talking to myself, not you. So we have a lot of ways of camouflaging the pain that we have. The common way that we defraud deliverance. Hear that. The common way that we defraud deliverance is by telling ourselves, it's okay. I'm all right. That didn't hurt me. I don't care. But you know deep down it did. You know deep down it hurt. And while silently all of that, the rage turns inward. And this may be the source of the problems that you're currently facing right here and right now. Jesus said that offenses are coming. They're coming. You can't stop it from coming. So, number one, I'm going to give you three of what we do in our hurt, and I'm going to give you three to get you out of it. You ready? Number one is we develop coping mechanisms. Coping mechanisms. I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens this morning because I'm going for some source. I'm going for some roots. And for roots, you got to dig below the surface. So the way that we appear, and it's not just one person in this room. It's a lot of us. We all have these things. And if you look and see coping mechanisms, here's your definition. It provides temporary relief. So it's not full relief. It's temporary. Deceives us into thinking we are healed when, in fact, we are only camouflaging the pain with work, alcohol, I put these two next together for a purpose. Church, sex, or drugs. It's a coping mechanism. Well, I can't believe the pastor would put sex right beside church. Are you kidding me? No, because the same person that is committing the heterosexual sin outside of marriage, doing those things, and we want to point our fingers and say, and then there's the other side of the person that uses church as a drug to come and get our fix and get smoothed over, go right back out and sha-ta-ta wherever we go, right? And we, we appear that everything is good, everything is right, everything's flowing well, but we're using church as a drug when it's actually is supposed to be used as agreement that I bind together with my brothers and sisters. Now, don't stop coming, but I'm telling you, don't use it as that manner. Come for a reason. And the problem is, is those people that, that use church as a drug, they, they get, you, you know what I'm talking about. They're the people that get so spiritually deep, you don't know not what in the world, where in the world are they going, but where in the Bible are you living? I ain't got a clue what you've even just said. Remember some time ago, again, no, no one that's here, some time ago, it was like when God was developing me in my spiritual growth and development, still doing that, but in my early time of, of learning how to pray and worship and engage the heart of God, there was some specific person that every time that I had a conversation with, they were always spiritually more than me. I could never, and I wasn't trying to top them. It's just like my encounter, my experience, I wanted to share. They thought they were more spiritual. And it's like, man, I, I can't even, I don't even know what, I, I can't figure out where you're going. We figured, we've seen those people before. All the while, they've got their issues that are deep-rooted. And they're unwilling because they want to have the appearance that all is well. Well, somebody has developed a coping mechanism. And 
it's if we look at maybe maybe it's somebody that that the way you cope with the struggles and the issues in your personal life is you overwork. You work over what you're supposed to. Now, again, we were given the commandments for a reason. The commandment of the Sabbath is is not just a Sunday. It's a 24-hour shutdown to enjoy, to remove the work from your life, to prepare you for the next week. Take a note from (laughs) Chick-fil-A. They're the, most, they're the most blessed company, uh, organization, and restaurant in, this, in, in America because they do that. I mean, the revenue is off the charts because they understand how to shut it down and not overwork themselves. And maybe you're here today and you've overdosed on church, overdosed on sex, overdosed on, on some particular drug or a relationship, whatever, or overworking yourself to the bone. You've over, because you've got a pain that you have, you, you, you're, you're just coping. You're not healed. Time hasn't healed anything. It just suppressed it and increased everything else to hurt in your life, to affect everything else. Here's number two. That wasn't enough. Number two, vengeance. Oh, no. No, pastor. Nope. Don't talk about that. Here's your definition so you can look at it. This is the erroneous idea that hurting the person will heal you. Hurting them won't heal you. It just lowers you to the level of the perpetrator. Now you've forsaken the eligibility to get God's vindication because you're handling it. God says, oh, you got it? I'll lift my hand off of it. I'm going to tell you something. As someone that has, that has dealt a lot of hurt in my earlier years, I promise you, if you'll turn them over to the Lord and let them go, God worked me over. He worked. I, I understand. It's like when you read the book of Acts and, and God, when God tells uh, Ananias, he's like, I can't go over there and lay hands on Paul. Do you not understand? He's killing Christians. God, come on now. You, you're God. And God says, don't you worry about him. I've got something for him. It's, almost, it's, it's kind of, I'm paraphrasing, but it's almost like God says, no, I got him. I'm fixing to work him over. And if you look at the life of Paul, God worked him over. Now, he, Paul was a, a mighty man. At the beginning of his ministry, he said, I'm the least of these, or he, he said that I'm the least of the apostles. And by the end of his ministry, he said, I'm the least of these, anybody. I'm the least one, the servant of all. He had learned, God had brought him to a place where he understood that it, vengeance does not belong to me. And Paul himself even quotes the scripture. But vengeance says, I won't stop till I bring you to, to your knees. But bringing me to my knees doesn't make you stand up. Hear me, somebody. This is for somebody this morning. Don't fall asleep on me. Bringing me to my knees doesn't make you stand up. It lowers you to the same level as the person that has wounded and hurt you. Now listen, for some of you that I'm preaching to, and this is you, Today begins, you've hit rock bottom. I'm prophesying to you. You have hit rock bottom today. The Lord is telling you right now, I'm, I, feel the, I feel the spirit of God on this, and I'm going to be bold when I say it. The Lord is telling you today, it's time to start moving up. You've got to start moving up. It starts right here. Your healing process begins now. The healing process of God is started. Vengeance, the scripture says, is mine. The Lord says, I will repay. I am the one. So I release unto God. And if you don't, you miss the opportunity for for let God uh, begin to execute his judgments because you're doing it on your own. And you're saying, I can handle it. All right, there's vengeance, number two. Number three, I'm not trying to drive you into a pit. We're going to come out. We're going to the upper room this morning, I promise. (laughs) Number three, self-deception. No, I was, it's a really simplistic thing, but revelation, when it hits you, God opens your eyes to see things. 
there was something a while back that God really began to deal with me uh, personally. And uh, I had questions. I was praying for a specific situation. And it was just like it dropped out of nowhere. There wasn't me. You, you know this, but it was revelation to me. God spoke to me and said, AJ, people that are deceived don't know it. I was like, well, that makes sense. If you're deceived, you have no clue. The way that you know that you can become, uh, that you can avoid being deceived is if you can come honestly and authentically from your heart and say, God, is there any area of my life that I'm living in deception? And give him pause. It may be a day, maybe three days. Let him answer you. I promise you he will if there's anything there. Sometimes God is silent waiting for you to see if you'll wait. Sometimes God is silent because he's waiting for you to think through and not hit it on a, on a fly. And, and God responds. Every time that I've asked the Lord, God has always responded to me and let me to know if there's an area of my life that I'm living in deception and not seeing it correctly. Because somebody shows up or the Lord speaks. Somebody will show up into your life and you'll bring it up in conversation and it'll come. Okay, I'll leave it at that. You understand. This is the, the definition for self-deception here is you'll say this. I don't care. Gradually, the rage turns inward. Anger turned inwards is what depression is made of. How many people in our nation today are struggling with depression? I didn't look for the statistics of, of what the percentage is of the American church of people that attend that are living in a state of depression. But the majority of the reason why is because it's been rage, anger, buried down from something that happened 20, 35, a year ago, whatever it may be. You've buried it. You've been unwilling to bring it into the presence of God. Connect yourself with another believer, a brother, or a sister because that's where you find healing. That's what James said somebody trustworthy that's the struggle I get it from time to time and when you develop that koinonia relationship that deep kindred spiritual relationship with the with the person of the house that God has planted you in there's there's faithful of the wounds of the friend that begin to be exchanged where it can be brought up and depression see a lot of times and I used to be this I would struggle with something I just want to go to the altar and get a touch let God somebody pastor lay your hand on me Cast this thing out, right? Garments of praise in exchange for a spirit of depression and heaviness. It'll change in a moment. No, because no, what you'll do is you'll have an emotional experience, not saying that God can't do it in the moment, but you'll go back and you've never dealt with, you've, you've dealt with the fruit of it, but you've never dealt with the root of it. The problem is, as many of us, we would rather pick the tree clean so that nobody thinks anything is wrong. Am I preaching to anybody? I'll just say it. I've done it. Like, man, I, if I can just, I'll dress right. Well, I don't know, maybe. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll put on, I'll put on the, the suit, I'll fix my hair really nice, and I'll go in and back the way I grew hallelujah, praise the Lord, everybody, how you doing in the house of God, but walk away and still feel like I got a foot in the world and a foot in the church. Nothing ever shifted, nothing ever changed, because all I had was an emotional experience that never touched my heart. It's got to touch the heart, and it's got to touch the head. When your head begins to shift, it's because your heart has had a fiery encounter with the glorious presence of Jesus, and everything begins to shift. And self-deception, you'll run the opposite way. I used to be a liar, and I will over-explain myself for the love. Pastor Eddie's told me on account, AJ, you don't have to tell me all this. Like, do you understand I used to be a liar? So I'm going to over-explain. Well, this is why I did this, and I want to say, oh, I got you. Good. We got you. When anger turns inward, depression. Nobody wants to raise your hand on this. I don't want you to. But how many of you are in a state of depression this morning? 
trim the limbs and the leaves is the same thing as pruning your problems. We want to prune the problems back, but we want to deal with the root. Jesus said it's better for him, the person that does this to you, to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the, uh, into the, to the sea. What is this verse saying? This is saying that God is on the side of the wounded. Not the person that dwells in self-pity. Not the person that always has a victim mentality. Now, you may have that for a season, for a moment, but it eventually is going to shift because God don't want you dwelling there. He wants to get you out of it. He wants to move you from that place. God is always on the side of those that have been oppressed. Look throughout church history. Look at the children of Israel. Not when they were in pride and arrogance and idol worship. We know in that state that, that God was, he turned, he said, they're detestable to me because they're prideful. They're arrogant. And how prideful and arrogant it is to come into God's presence with all of these things and look the part, but not let him have your heart completely. Right? God doesn't want that. He wants, he wants you. He wants you to remove the mask. You've heard me say it before. God cannot change who you, you, who you pretend to be. You got a mask on. He can't change that person. He knows you better than you know yourself. You are naked in the very presence of God. He knows everything about you. There's nothing hidden. It's a, the, the psalmist says, if I make my bed in, in, in the bottom of the ocean, there he is. If I make it in the heights of the heavens, there he is. I can't go anywhere from him. Well, I can't escape him. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. He, is, he, he, he knows you better than you know yourself. And he's on the side of the oppressed. If you've been abused, you've been neglected, God's on your side. Come on, say it. Say, God's on my side. Luke 17, 1 through 2, Jesus tells them it's inevitable. He's talking to his disciples first. Look, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks are going to come. Then he shifts and says, but woe to the one whom it does, because if you don't guard your heart with all diligence, therefrom it's going to spring the issues of life. And then he turns towards the one that actually causes the offense, which they're not there, but he's teaching this. And he says, it'd be better for you to have that tied around your neck. Now let me say this. For those of you that hold positions of authority and, and leadership within the community, many fathers in the room, or, or mothers, you're, you're, you're leading your families, however that works, single moms or, 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 or families. Let me tell you something. Dads, first off, listen to me. You are the spiritual head of the home. I don't care if you're empty nesters. You are the spiritual headship of the home. You, you get on your knees and you pray and you seek the face of God. Get direction for your family. You don't need a stage. You don't need a pulpit. You need a prayer closet. You need to learn how to pray. Grab a hold of the old church used to say, grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray for a breakthrough in your home. You need to learn how to do that. You are the spiritual head of your house. And... When we're promoted, many of us want promotion in our jobs. We want promotion because we want that, that next pay raise. But the problem is, is if you don't know how to will promotion, you'll wound people. You've got to know that Jesus is saying, woe unto them that, that, that are offended. Because if, this one, if the one that has in a position of leadership, in a position of power, they abuse that power, that can bring destruction to those around them, bring offense and all those things. And, 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 and he's saying, if promotions come, if you understand, to whom much is given, much is required in that promotion. So let me ask you this question. How well do you tip your waitress? We hear this a lot on Sundays. How well do you tip your waiter? How well do you take care of those when you go to restaurants, things of that nature? How well do you treat those that you don't need? Give you a, a second to think. If you're 
Whatever, whatever you do, how well do you treat those that you don't need? You take care of those. Watch what you do with the power you've been given because God is always on the side of the oppressed. Then Jesus shifts it and he begins to talk about the hurt. He talks about being hurt and the one that's offended. He says that being, from the, from the perspective of God, being on your side, being hurt is being groomed to be abusive. Being hurt is being groomed to be abusive. It's the grooming process for which haters and herders, H-U-R-T-E-R-S, are made. Think about it in this way. The molested, they grew up to be the molestors, right? In most cases, we see these situations take place. It's because somebody else has been themselves. And to everyone who's ever been hurt, you have to be careful because in some way the enemy is going to use this to groom you, to use you to his devices. All right? I know that I'm teaching some stuff this morning and it's a little bit heavy, but bear with me. Now Jesus begins to shift and talk about forgiveness. And this deals with our feelings and our emotions. He says that the, um, the person... You think about it. We're, we're, we're in a, a room, a church room, or maybe you go to a grocery store, and all of a sudden, that person that wounded you, that person that hurt you, they walk into the room, and it's like, man, I was good right up until they walked into the room. And again, it's a process. It, 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 forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not something that you, you feel and then you do. You get up, it's just like when the psalmist says, he talks about choosing the fear. You have to choose the fear of the Lord. You choose. I choose. And here's, Father, I, I choose to forgive them. And maybe that's all you can say. But eventually, as R.T. Kendall talks about, eventually, if you can come to the place and say, I choose to forgive them for what they did to me, and Father, I'm releasing them to you, and I pray, and this is how you know you have forgiven them, I pray that you would bless them. Don't hold what they did against me. I ch- and now people say, now, Pastor, you, that, that's, I get it. But you understand you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless there is forgiveness. Do you know that? There's your other gospel hard truth. It's a hard truth. We get angry and we get enraged, and there's only one thing because it seems if they maybe if it's if it's a husband uh, that the wife left, they took everything and they, they just they left you with nothing but anger. Or maybe if it's the wife and the husband, they left you with nothing. And the only thing you have is rage. The only thing you have is anger. The only thing that actually feels comfortable to you, but it's dysfunctional comfort. And the father's saying, I got to put my finger in it because we got to deal with it because I want to move you forward. I don't want you to get stuck in a place of self-deception. This is what the text is talking about. This is what it's referring to. The person, you, if you're that person, that you're wounded, hurt, offended. This is about you. You're holding on to rage because it makes you feel powerful. Never mind that it's been making you sick. Never mind that that it's, it's causing your blood pressure to rise and having heart issues and physical problems and ailments and issues. Never mind that it once was manifested in the emotional and the mental, but now it's manifesting physically. Never mind those things. We want to hang on to it. But have you learned to let it go? Never mind that it makes you feel defenseless. Jesus says in verse 4, if a man sins against you seven times a day and he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. I don't like this verse. I'm going to be honest. I don't like this verse. I don't like this verse because I don't, I don't, I don't want to like you. 
well, you got to love them. I get that. I don't even, how to, I don't, I just have to say, God, I, I love them. I, listen, I'll, I'll come into prayer and talk to God about, about the situations and the people and all that stuff. And I do my best to, to, to complain to him in that regard and release it there. But I don't like this verse. Jesus tells them to do it seven times in a day. All of a sudden they said, Lord, increase our faith. He's trying to get them to live like they breathe. Now, don't miss this point, okay? You ready? Now, we're going to turn it. He's trying to get them to live like they, they breathe. Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. Seven times a day. They keep up. Why? Why is it? Because if you stop doing that, you'll die, right? You stop. It's pretty, pretty simplistic theology. You stop living, you're going, or you stop breathing, you're going to die. And he's saying as soon as you inhale something, Exhale it. Release it back out as fast as you take it in. This is the system that Jesus creates for his disciples, but he also is for us. Release it. I've learned and listened to one of my favorite preachers recently. I'm just making a declaration every morning. God, I choose to forgive those that I have hurt. Forgive me for those that I've hurt that I don't even know I did. And also, I choose today not to be offended. I'm just making that declaration. Just get it out of me, out of my spirit, so I know that throughout the day, something's going to happen. The same way in the natural is the same way that it's in the spirit. Are you hanging with me this morning? Come on, hang with me, I promise. The same way in the spirit. I don't let it go for you. I let it go for me. You understand? I let it go because I'm exhaling. I got to get it out of me or it's going to destroy me. It's going to destroy me. And it's like when you walk in and it was like, man, what's, what's going on with that person? It's, I don't understand. It's like it seems like everybody's turned their back on you. Um, or that's your mentality. Nobody has. But everybody's turned their back on you. And it's just like, man, I can't have a conversation with them. Because they're always something. I feel like I have to walk on eggshells with them all the time. It's because there's something there. You've got to learn to let it go. You've got to learn to get on one-on-one with the Lord. I get it. It's hard. How, why did it happen? I don't know. I don't understand that. I can't give you the answer for that. All I can tell you is that I've learned to pray those oh God prayers, that that's all I can say, and to say, please help me, God. I've got, I am a wreck right now. My emotions are a wreck. Everything feels like it's off course. And there's many people that they've been 20 years in the mad, not in the red, 20 years in the mad and in the rage. And people look at you, there's no life in your eyes, there's no strength, there's no joy. And when Jesus starts talking about faith here, I, di- I didn't see it, and, and, and that I understand that it had to do with forgiveness. And both faith and forgiveness live in the spirit realm. Here, I, I want to I tell you something. You know why? When, you, when he starts reading this and he says, you know, you can speak to the mulberry tree. And I, I, I want to stop right there and say, well, well, wait a second. Does he not say in another place that you can say to the mountain, be uprooting, go cast yourself into the sea? Because th- these are two different topics. Jesus says a mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots The roots have to be removed. Why is he dealing with this? He's putting uh, your faith with your forgiveness because with a mountain, with a mountain, everything goes up. Oh, I'm climbing this mountain, this mountain of, of sickness. I'm commanding it to leave. But when it starts dealing with offense and forgiveness, he deals with the tree because the tree, the roots grow down. It doesn't grow up. Can you see that? Faith to move mountains deals with climbing up. Faith to move your, your bitterness and your unforgiveness, the roots grow down. So Jesus says it takes faith to remove the root. You've got to have a faith. 
Everything about the tree is growing deep down, and it has such a strong root system because the pain is deep in your personal life. Hebrews 12, get ready. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all. I don't like that verse. I don't want that. I don't, I don't know anybody. I don't want to pursue peace with all people. It doesn't say with some people that you kind of like. It says pursue it. doesn't mean that you're going to get it with everybody, but you've got to pursue it. Pursue peace with all people and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God and that, listen, what is this next phrase? The root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. Where does the root of bitterness spring from? Because there was a sower that went through, an evil one that began to sow tares sow an offense into your personal life, into the soil of your heart, and it was cultivated, it was, it was incubated from hurts. Oh, that hurt me because you didn't learn how to let it go. It may have taken me a year to, but I kept breathing, and I kept choosing, and I kept releasing because I'm not going to hang on to it. Because I'm connecting my faith to the word to know that what Pastor AJ is saying is truth, regardless if I feel it or not. Mm. Holiness is not having to do with a denomination. Holiness has to do where your spirit is clean. You understand to ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in a place of purity. Clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands deal with your relationships. Peace with all people. And your heart of purity deals with your righteousness and right standing before the Lord. That's how you stand in God's presence. Pursuing the peace with all people. I hate that verse. I'll go on. I, I, I don't mean to offend you. I, really, I mean, I just struggle. It's like some of the times, but that's the word. So God, I, I, am, I have to un, come underneath it and submit to it, yield to it, and do it with a right heart. If the root of bitterness is what defiles you, getting rid of it is what purifies you. So how do you get rid of it? How do you get rid of it? Why do I need faith? Three quick ones. Here we go. Number one, faith always looks forward. See, the problem is, is you're looking backwards. You're looking back at what happened, but you can't see the glory of what God wants to do in your life looking forward. I mean that. I'm not just, that's not just a great preaching point. I'm telling you, the plan that God has for you, he saw you in the midst of it. He's saying, if you can just see what I see, it can you see through the lens of faith? Because remember, faith is not in the seen. It's in the unseen. I can't see it. I love the quote that says that hope gets me off the couch and faith gets me onto the porch looking for the promise. Because hope makes, means that there's an expectancy of something great that's on its way. And faith says, I, I, I can't see it, but I can see it because I see my Father. I know God's not going to leave me right where I'm at. There's something good coming. God has a future. Then you can look at those situations behind you and you can say, thank you for firing me. Thank you for leaving me. Thank you for doing what you did because God just revealed to me that I still got a hope and I still got a future. He hasn't turned his back on me. I might have felt like I was by myself. But again, faith doesn't move in your feelings. Anybody here, Prophet Lloyd Bustard? Can I preach this for a moment? Faith doesn't live in your feelings. Think about the Syrophoenician woman. People, I'll just leave this job and go to the another. I'll just leave this church and go to the another. I'll just leave this and go to another. Well, because what if you miss what God's trying to bring into your personal life because you uproot yourself, you transplant yourself. Anything that transplants itself is anybody that has a green thumb, you understand transplanting is rough. It, it, it's it literally, it's tough. 
You uproot yourself because it don't feel good to you. Faith does not dwell in feelings. The Syrophoenician woman, well, I can't throw this, I can't give it to the dogs. Well, I have never. I know I just, everybody had walked out right at that point. I'm not hanging out. He just called me a dog. You got to know the context of the scripture, but she said, yes, but the, even the little dogs can feast at the table, can eat the crumbs. So are you living in faith? Or are you living in feelings? Prophet Lloyd Bustard preached that. My goodness. You talk about getting it, touching and stepping all over my toes. Faith looks forward. Faith doesn't dwell, and this is my second point, faith does not dwell in the sensual. It's not in your senses, your, your, your feeling. You can't, it's, it's not a feeling. It's a knowing who your God is because God's not going to leave you where you are. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith, now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof or an evidence of things, the conviction of things not seen. Faith isn't, in the sensual it's not seen it's unseen when you use faith you are putting it up against what you remember come on what you remember the hurt the problem the pain the struggle the root of that problem you're putting your faith up against that and you're saying I'm going back to that moment where you left me I'm going back to that moment where I felt like when this family member died that God turned his back on me and I'm looking back at that moment and I picture Jesus right in the middle of it standing right beside I'm telling that'll help you move forward I go back and I look when my dad was in our living room and he was dying with cancer that very last night and I struggled because I couldn't understand how somebody that had so much life to live could have their very last breath taken from them. Someone that was, that was plugged into the heart of God, raised in his family and, 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 and doing the best that he could, that God could remove them from the planet. I don't, I, and I struggled and there was a root of bitterness in me against the Lord, but I've always been taught, don't question God. Now, I, I get it. I, I ask him a lot of questions. I don't question his existence because I know he's real. But God, why? Why'd you take him? And then all of a sudden, as I, was, I remember, I looked back and I saw Jesus standing at his bedside and I said, this makes it all, all worth a while. I can't see the future, God, but you can. And it helped me to look at that moment and say, God, forgive me for thinking that, that you don't know what you're doing. And I, I trust you. And it helped me to move on from that moment. And then I started going from one situation to the next. And then all of a sudden, the inner healing began to take place because I started looking back at those moments and putting faith in the middle of it and understand that it's not in what I see. It's when I, I can't see. And trusting that God has an answer come on you got to get out of your feelings you can feel the way you want to but God's still gonna be God and he's still gonna make his decisions it's whether you're gonna line up with him or not and gonna live bitter are you gonna live with a root of bitterness in your life are you gonna shift are you gonna move out of it are you gonna find healing are you gonna let him heal are you gonna let him touch the places the recesses in your heart where it hurts let him touch those moments and let him bring his healing oil or as the Old Testament calls it, the balm of Gilead, that healing power from the Holy Spirit that begins to trickle into every place of your heart and restore and redeem and release them because it's not doing you any good. When Jesus is in your past, Patrick, if you would, in those moments and those problems where you caused the greatest hurt, you yourself did it, or maybe someone caused it to you, go back to that moment right now. I know it's hard. Go back to that moment. Close your eyes and just see Jesus standing there. Jesus, why don't you do something? Why don't you do something? I get it. I know. I know. You're the healer, God. Why? Why? 
doesn't mean that you're going to get the answer that you want. But you just start saying, as long as Jesus is in the room and in my past and in that moment, I've always got hope. When Jesus is in the room, there's always hope. Number three, faith grows from word. Faith grows from word. Hearing the word, that's why it's important that we come to church and gather around the word of God. Because you hear the word, it's being preached. Faith is produced. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Everybody in this room has got a story of pain. It, it hurts. I got you. I know. may not be the depth that you've experienced it, but I've got my own as well. There's always going to be somebody worse than you. You know, understand that, right? There's always going to be somebody that's got it worse than you. Here's what I want to tell you. That first story I told you about the person that I tried everything in the world I could do to restore and mend. First off, remember, it takes one to forgive. It takes two to reconcile. Sometimes reconciliation ain't the answer. Now, if you're married this morning and your wife's saying, well, I just, well he just gave me. No, no, no. I, I, I'll send you to Dr. Pepper Pratt and we'll help you out. That situation that I had, when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I couldn't, I, I knew what they did, but so many times is when we're hurt or whatever it may be, we see what somebody did, but we can't see why they did it. Now, it doesn't justify that this is where the spiritual maturity aspect begins to take over in your life. Hear this. I mean it. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. Faith grows from word. I want to release you from something this morning. I've learned that when you learn the why, you're far less judgmental about the what. What do you mean? What does that even mean? Because when the Holy Spirit begins to give you discernment and perspective, because that's the way that they've chosen to live, or that's the way that maybe they were treated, you can step back and say, man, I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is a generational thing. The Word of God is supreme and if I will yield myself to it and understand the way that I expand and grow my faith as I pour myself into scripture I pour myself into teachings and allow the word to wash over my mind and teach me until I understand you stand underneath the truth that's what understand means standing underneath truth I understand the principle of hearing the, the word of God even though I may not fully comprehend it it's producing faith in me that I can stand in this moment and say, I choose to release you. I choose to forgive you. I choose to let it go because I'm removing the root today. Stand to your feet. This morning, I want to start right here. I want to pray over you. If you're in the house and you're not saved, I want to tell you something. This is very vital and important. Even if you're living in unforgiveness, let me tell you this. The scripture says that you can't enter into the, in the kingdom of heaven if there's not forgiveness in your heart. Or if you're not saved this morning, it, it, salvation is what you need if you're not saved. And I, it's not repeating a prayer, but it's simply yielding your heart to the Lord. Godly sorrow, the sorrow of your heart, that you're sorry for your sins, works repentance and brings you into freedom of when the Spirit of God comes into your life. That's the beginning of the journey. So close your eyes if you would. I'm not that the decide. There's some of. The, I just want you to focus. And if you're not saved this morning, 
lift your hand. Say, this is me. I need to be saved this morning, Pastor AJ. I want to be saved. Anybody in the room? All right, now if you're in the room and you're struggling in this area or where there's unforgiveness and there's bitterness and there's all the root and there's nobody looking, um, if, if you would, drop the lights, Seth, just so that it gives them the intimacy between them and the Lord that they need. If that's you this morning, lift your hand. Say, I, I need some healing. I see the hands going up right now. Now, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer that I pray, and I continue to pray it, even though I don't feel it at times, but I still want to make sure I'm good. I want you with your eyes closed and just ask the Lord, say, Father, I choose today to forgive so-and-so. I choose today to release them. Or maybe it's yourself. Maybe you need to start at forgiving. I choose to forgive myself today. I'm not going to hold myself in bondage any longer. I choose to release them. God, the hurt, the pain, I'm connecting my faith to the word of the preacher that you're going to go and remove the root of the issue today. And this begins my healing process. He declared that I'm going to be healed. Today is the, the healing process mentally, emotionally, that even affects me physically. And I'm choosing to let you take the axe and lay it to the root to pull this thing up and remove it. Forgive me for holding the grudge. Forgive me for living in forgiveness. I don't want to live there no more. I'm done with it. I'm done. And this is not a one-time prayer. It's something you'll get up every morning. I choose to forgive so-and-so. You keep declaring, I choose to forgive. If it's your, I choose to forgive me, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I, I forgive you. I release you from the bondage. The scripture says, as he is, so are we in this world. So I'm going to look like Jesus. I'm going to walk like him. I'm going to talk. I'm going to confess what he confesses. And forgiveness, unforgiveness is not going to hold me bound to my past. Now, many of you, what you need to do this week, look up at me. Many of you, as we're getting ready to be, you need to, this week, some things the Lord has showed you, and this is your, and it's hard. This has been hard for you. You need to get along with the Lord this week, and you need to close your eyes and remember what happened. But you need to see Jesus in it. Picture him standing in the middle of your problem. And watch what happens. I'm telling you, it's the most freeing thing I've ever experienced in my personal life. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.